Our gospel lesson comes from the gospel to St. John, chapter 10, the first 10 verses, continuing in the King James translation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus says, he is the gate, and it is through him that we will find pasture. That's what this... Easter season is all about. That is why Easter is much more than just one day. It simply takes time to adjust to our way of life, to God's way of life. And we have to adjust our lives so that we may participate in the life that Jesus gives us as the risen Lord. We can admit very easily that life in the resurrected path of Jesus is strange new territory. And it takes practice. It takes time for us to perceive this resurrected life. And it takes time for us to live into it. That is why we gather here this morning and sing Easter songs. That is why we call it Easter Sunday, because in truth, every Sunday, is Easter Sunday because we proclaim that it is the eighth day of the new creation. That is why we gather and sing the Easter anthem with the choir. That is why we celebrate Easter as more than just one day, but Easter as a full season of 50 days. It may seem strange, but we need this time to practice resurrection. We need this time to practice life. Otherwise, 
we might make the mistake of thinking that the world that we see around us, the world that's in our headlines, that that's just the way it is. When Jesus describes himself as the gate or the door, I thought of the old game show hosted by Monty Hall, Let's Make a Deal. Participants in the game show Let's Make a Deal are given a prize, but then you have to make a choice what to do with that prize. You can keep the prize that you have in your hand, or you can trade it in in hopes of getting a better prize. But you, always, you don't always know what you're getting, do you? Because the prizes that you might get are hidden from your view. They're behind a curtain or sometimes hidden in a box. So you may choose a door and get a prize that is better than the one you're holding. That would be great. But at the same time, you may choose a door and get a prize that is an illegitimate prize. It's called, what, what is it called? A zonk? A zonk, that's right. So let's make a deal always ends every game show with what they call the big deal of the day. The big deal is hidden behind one of three doors. Door one, door two, or door three. You have to choose one of the doors and hope that behind the door that you have chosen is the big deal of the day. It could be there, but at the same time, you have to admit that you have taken a chance. You may have chosen a door that has something less than what you already have. So how life is defined in this scenario is a series of choices. Make the right choice and you are considered a success. Make the wrong choice and you may be considered a failure. It's all up to you, the choices that you make. And so because it is all up to you, you don't have anyone else to rely upon, this approach to life is full of anxiety. It's full of fear. It can be full of doubt. Unfortunately, this is the way that many of us define what life is. It may be common to our experience, but it is not the life that Jesus came to give us. In John 10, we see how Jesus redefines this. This is our common approach to life. Life is a series of choices and chances. We're in control of our own destiny. Fear, doubt, anxiety prevail. But Jesus redefines that for us in John 10. In the King James Version of John 10, Jesus says it this way, Verily, verily, which is another way to say, Amen, Amen, or, Hey, listen up, I'm about to say something important. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and shall go out and find pasture. 
The King James Version uses the word door. Other translations use the word gate. Jesus said so much the same thing in the gospel later on, the gospel of John, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the gate. If you come in and out through me, you will find pasture. You will have abundant life. So what Jesus basically does in this new scenario is take away the anxiety that we have. We don't have to choose door one, door two, or door three. And if there is only one door, it is behind this door that you will get the big deal of the day. There you have it. Shepherds in that time and still are always out with their sheep all day long. And since sheep have a tendency to wander, you see that happening down here. If since the sheep have a tendency to wander, the shepherd always has to keep watch. He often uses his voice to motivate the sheep to stay in where they are supposed to go, to not wander off. But the voice is also important because the voice keeps the sheep safe. And the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. It's a relationship that they have. They would respond to his call. There is only one way in and only one way out. The shepherd leads at, lays down at the sheep at the gate. So at the end of the long day, the shepherd needs his rest. And how can he make sure that the sheep stay where they're supposed to, to, to keep stay? The shepherd puts them in an enclosed area. There is a, a stone wall all the way around it. And there is only one way in and one way out. And the shepherd lays down his body across the entrance of that to make sure that the sheep stay in and to make sure that thieves and bandits stay out. So when Jesus says, I am the door or I am the gate, this is exactly what he is saying. In this approach to life that Jesus offers, the sheep are completely dependent upon the shepherd. Whereas in a prior scenario, we're dependent upon ourselves to make choices. In this scenario, we're completely dependent upon Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus offers us life, protection, security, nourishment. So how do we know if we're following Jesus? How do we know that Jesus is the shepherd of our life? What criteria do we use to make good ethical decisions as opposed to not so good ethical decisions? In short, you will know if your ways are life-giving and life-affirming. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So if you're doing what you think Jesus would do to give life, to honor life, 
to support life, then you are following in Jesus' way. If you are giving life to others, then you are living with Jesus as the gate or the door of your life. If you are draining life from others, then you were what Jesus called in this parable a thief or a robber, those who came to kill or steal or destroy. So I hope that you see that Easter living is a matter of life and death. Easter living has everything to do with everyday living. If Jesus doesn't impact Monday through Saturday, then why are we here on Sunday? There will always be voices out there calling us from the perimeter of our existence, offering us the big deal of the day. There are always voices that we have to discern whether or not this is the voice of Jesus or if it is a voice of an imposter, is it an, an illegitimate zonk? What is it that we will use as our criteria? The voice of Jesus is our standard by which we judge our ethical decisions Monday through Saturday. If what we are doing gives life and honors life, then we are following life as Jesus would have it. Back in Jesus' time, in the context of John 10, Jesus was primarily concerned with the religious leaders who he thought were leading the people down the wrong path. But in our context, it could still be religious leaders who lead us down the wrong path. It could be political leaders. It could be anything that takes us away from the way of Jesus. That's the overriding point. So let me give you a real life case scenario, a case study for us to apply this to our everyday lives. Osama bin Laden. We can clearly say that he was a thief or a robber. And we know this because of the criteria that Jesus gave us. Was his life life-affirming and life-giving, or did it drain life and take away life from others? We know that he came to kill and to steal and destroy. But at this point, the case study gets most interesting because then we have to discern what is it that we do with a thief or a bandit? What do we do with the ones who come to kill and to steal and to destroy? The common and the popular response that we hear so much in our society is that we also should kill and steal and destroy them so that they cannot steal and kill and destroy us. This is a normal and a natural human response for us to have. But I want us to challenge that from a Christian perspective this morning. We Christians, especially the Christians that are in the Reformed Presbyterian tradition, we must remember that we can't always trust our initial human responses. How we think could be wrong. How we feel could be wrong. We may not always be following 
the call of Jesus in our lives if, if we are just doing what our gut instincts tell us to do. Just because it makes me feel good doesn't mean that it is an action that pleases God. Our inclination as humans may be to feel better now that Osama bin Laden is dead. I certainly had a moment of relief for myself. But as Christians, we are called to listen not to listen only to listen only to the life-giving call of Jesus as our good shepherd. If we go in and out through the gate of Jesus, then our words and our deeds will bring life. I know that there are people who are concerned about the reaction that happened this past week since last Sunday night. One of our own young people in our church posted a uh, verse from Proverbs on his Facebook page and to which was a very strong response from many, many young adults who were concerned about rejoicing when someone else is dead. So let us be clear. As Christians, we have to remember that we do not get ultimate security and ultimate peace when someone else dies. Only in Jesus, our risen Lord, will we find true security and true peace. The risen Lord is the one who laid down his life for the sheep, and that is the only death that redeems us. So how do we respond? How do we respond Pastor, how do we respond as Christians? How do we get past our normal human response to fight back? In the Bible, Jesus says that when the thieves and the bandits came in promising the big deal of the day behind door one, two, or three, the sheep didn't get caught up in the drama. You can see it laid out in the artist's portrayal. The sheep did not respond. They did not listen. It says it in John 10, verses 8. Jesus said, those who came before me were thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. As sheep, as Christians, we train our ears to listen to the voice of the shepherd only. And the shepherd came so that we may have life and have it in more abundance. Which means if we're going to listen primarily to the voice of the shepherd, then we have to learn to disregard, to tune down the other voices that do not bring life. So we pause and remember the words of Jesus, the one who taught us to do unto others as we would have done unto us. Jesus also taught us that we should love our enemies, that we should do good to those who hurt us, that we should pray for those who persecute us. How much have we prayed in the last 10 years for those who are meaning us evil? 
And then there are words from Paul in the letter to Romans, do not over, be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And we can do all of this without excusing anyone's behavior. To pray for someone does not mean that we're saying that what they have done is okay. To overcome evil with good does not say that the evil was excusable. It just says that we're not the gate. We're the sheep. Remember, forgiveness is not about saying that what you did is okay. And remember, Christian faith is, has never been about getting what we deserve. It's hard. It's unpopular. It's not easy to preach this. I didn't want to stand up here this morning. And it's much, much harder to live. I'm with you in that. And I'd be the first to admit that in my own relationships, that there is a measure of violence and discord in the way that I have lived my life. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we have to wrestle with this a little bit more, to be a little bit more reflective as Christians to what the call of the shepherd is in our lives. So perhaps what we can do at the death of our enemy is to spend some time in somber reflection on the brokenness of this world. And remember that nothing and no one outside of God is holy and pure. The way of Jesus is narrow, but there is a payoff to following the call of the shepherd. It's called life. That's why we're here to proclaim the good news of the risen Lord who came so that we may have life and have it in all of its abundance. Jesus teaches us this way. But more importantly, Jesus gives us what we need so that we can practice resurrection. Jesus enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to be an Easter people. Through Christ, we can work on those hard things that he calls us to do. Forgiveness, compassion, hospitality, humility, grace. These are the life-giving ways of Jesus. And these are the difficult but necessary practices of Christians that lead us to life. Jesus said that I am the gate. And Jesus came and laid down his body across that entrance to protect us and then to lead us out so that we may find pasture. Jesus came so that we may have life, not death. Jesus came that we may have life and have it in all of its abundance. That is the big deal of the day and every day.